Hello, and welcome to TV Times 3, episode 315. On this episode, we'll be talking about recent episodes of Blindspot, The Grinder, Vikings, the fourth season finale of Major Crimes, the first half of Daredevil season two, and the musical The Passion live! Plus, a very brief reality check and some TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 315. I'm Amory from mytakeontv.com. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week we have joining us... Kurt! <laughs> I'm from tvshowpatrol.com. We are coming to you live from Kurt's basement. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly are. Yes. We're looking at each other right now, and we're dancing, <laughs> which is not unheard of. We've been dancing all weekend. That's yeah. right. So if you occasionally hear an echo on this podcast, it's because... It's because one of us got excited, and you can hear us in both of our <laughs> You can hear them. <laughs> it's like that time Ray and I did it from my... Uh, we podcasted from my living room, <laughs> sitting right next to each other. <laughs> and you... Pretty soon you had to sit back to back because <laughs> we had to sit. We couldn't. Yep, exactly. Um, so that's us. My instructions. Well, hello, Kurt. Thank you for joining us. Oh, sure. <laughs> yes, that's right. I instructed Henry to thank Kurt for joining hello. us. Um, mention listener month is my instructions. So there you have it. <laughs> there you I've, this month? I've mentioned listener month. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Uh, obviously, Amory's been paying attention that April is Listener Month, where we're bringing on. Why well, I, I should say I, not that I don't know what it means, but I didn't know exactly what it means. <laughs> we're bringing on you to talk with us about TV, and you too can have fun with Skype as we've been having today, right. uh, getting uh, getting things set up. But but Can't yeah, care if, to be able to do it in Kurt's basement, but that's true. You'll have to do it from your you own would basement, love it if you did, or dining room table, or wherever. You normally yeah. put your computer. <laughs> and exactly. You can, then you can uh, come on and talk some TV with us and uh, just send an email to feedback at tvtimes3.com or leave a comment in the show notes and uh, let us know that you'd like to join join us and we'll we'll have you on to talk some TV next month. Excellent. Get in touch. Prime time is what we're starting. We don't have any news this week. Because they recorded so late last week That's that right. <laughs> there's really been no news except Bloodlines coming back May 27th. Yeah, that was today. That, that's right. By the time we recorded on Friday, after all the fun we had with uh, – I had with power outages or being sick or mm. having to try and reschedule around two other people's schedules. And uh, ultimately, we did finally get it. Recorded actually last week and uh, and out on Saturday, which is much later than normal, but it's there. Hope you hope you enjoyed the spring TV preview and got a chance to see all the stuff that was coming back, except for Bloodlines that they announced today. <laughs> there you go. But now you so, know that too. So, so there you have it. Prim time. I'm going to read exactly how everything's written here. Major Crimes, Season 4, Episode 23, Hindsight, Part 5, and the people discussing it are Army and Jason. <laughs> it is Army and Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I 
anyway, I spelled um, it right every other time on the page. True. So that's I did pretty that check impressive. to make sure. <laughs> Uh, so in this episode, we got the resolution to the gang war, reverend cop killer, Amy talking to that cop resolution. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of them doing sort of an extended, almost like mini series of a story? Where, I actually thought it worked really well. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I I mean, your normal thing is that you get – they have ongoing stories – throughout a season uh, usually you know one or two different things sort of happening over the course of a season that they touch on here and there but for the most part they solve a you know a case each episode and I like this where for you know a five episode stint they created one large case where mm-hmm. you didn't get uh, any real resolution until the final episode and that was uh different than you you normally get and i thought they did a really good job with it and i think that would be an interesting thing for a show like this that ended up doing 23 episodes this season yeah. but in like three different blocks kind of an interesting way to go for one of the one of the set of you know when you come back uh, making it all one thing since it was only five episodes, I think made it more interesting than just having five regular episodes all of a sudden. Yeah. And then finally getting around to a conclusion of something they've been building all season or something. Right. I, I really liked that. It just felt like they could have a little bit more urgency to the show because we knew it started in one and ended in five and you had to tune in. And I did kind of call that Julianne was going to be involved in it in some way, just because you don't, bring her in just for five episodes, just to be like a love interest for Julio. Um, but I was very surprised when they did end up like making her, because I thought it was going to be the woman from army wise. Yeah. Well that, that was Jason the other thing they wife. did a good thing uh, with the show was because of the number of guest stars that they brought on. It wasn't readily noticeable. Right. Who ultimately it was going to be. You figured it was probably going to be one of them or something, or they were at least going to have, you know, much bigger parts, you know, like in the first episode when you see her, you know, like basically yelling at Amy and Jason Gedrick, uh, you're like, well, she's going to play into more than just <laughs> being like a nagging wife here at the beginning of this episode. And yeah, I. And they I did like a good the, job yeah. of of bringing them all back around where the way things were happening, you weren't quite sure, like, who it was that, you know, could have – because it was like, yeah, she said she went to sleep and left her husband, you know, drinking on the boat, but he could have passed out on the boat and then she left. Right. You know, so there was all kinds of things where they they had them – uh, it was the po- everybody had sort of a possibility of of being able to uh, uh, get this having gotten the gun or whatever and and everything that had happened. I thought that they used red herrings well. Like I, none of them was just like, ugh, why did they do that? Yeah, it was pretty well into that fi- that fifth episode before you're like, okay, I know who it is. <laughs> I know who it is now. And right. that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty good for a five episode. Yes, because usually they project who's going to be the killer in the first like four <laughs> minutes. 
I don't know. I felt bad for Julio because he fell in love again. And then yeah. <laughs> I liked his uh, bad first date. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Went to dinner and um, had I a little fun. Really... And then we arrested her the next day for murder. <laughs> I like the Rusty and Gus relationship. I'm glad that they did go there because I think they're really cute together. And I could not care less about Rusty's other mom. So I guess it sounds like that's resolved for now. Well, I, I did like that he's that Gus is like super protective of him and I was like making sure that he goes and tells, you know, either Provenza or his mom or something, like what's going on. Yeah. And uh but yeah, that was overall that that little bit of a storyline was that was the only thing where it felt like we need to fill a little time and we need this one other little storyline or something. And uh, since it know. didn't tie in, it felt it felt even more of an outlier than maybe Did normally. Did it feel like a series finale with the way it ended with Provenza's wedding and everybody looking at the camera? Yeah, I mean, you could have you could have done that with the everybody, you know, and clo- the doors closing as they start the ceremony. I mean, it yeah. could have worked that way, but... Maybe they did that before. Do they are they renewed? Do we know? Yeah, they're coming back for another season. Oh, all right, maybe they want they didn't know before they filmed it. This is a show that I even with whatever new direction uh, they're going, I can't imagine that they would go away from this anytime soon. It does it still does pretty well and it hasn't been around as long as in its current form as Rizzolian Isles was, that they just got rid of. Yes. So that's Major Crimes. We'll see what happens. I liked it. I think they should do more of these chunks, and hopefully they will continue to do that. Yeah, I like the idea if they're going to do these, you know, break up a season of 23 episodes into 10 episodes here and 7 episodes here and 5 episodes here, that especially for a shorter, if it's going to be like a shorter block, it I think it works to do some sort of overarching story for that whole thing it made it pretty compelling correct guess what kurt you're up what am i what am i did you fall asleep (laughs) (laughs) blind spot season one episode 13 erase weary youth you're on okay what was this one about kurt what did you what did you think about the mole hunt oh that's right the mole hunt well that that fbi guy who wants to take uh Oh, I can't. Can we spoil things? Sure. Yeah, this already aired. Oh, okay. Well, I was pretty shocked that it was him, even though I should. I probably shouldn't have been. But um, well, who was? What was his name? I can't remember his name now. I'm ill prepared for this. Anyway, the guy who was the mole hunter turned out to be the mole. Yeah, that was that was a nice that was a a nice little turn that, uh, but also left in the wake of that though that. Now there's a couple of people that are again back to maybe not being so trustworthy of Jane. So, oh yeah, of, yeah, yeah, because everybody was suspicious, suspicious of her from the get go or from the the start of the mole hunt. Well, but, ultimately um, she didn't have a really good explanation as to where she was when the CIA guy probably. Well, got you know killed. where she was. Yeah, we know where she was, and we know that the CIA guy is actually dead at the she hands was with- of. She was with hot Francois Arnault. Okay. Killing the CIA guy. Who well, was, he killed the CIA yeah. guy. Who was Who's waterboarding. 
what was the CIA guy's name? I don't oh, know. Oh, wait, the guy that was waterboarding Jane? Yeah, the guy that was waterboarding Jane. Yeah. Um, so Francois Arnault, who was playing – what's his name? Oscar or Isaac? Oscar, I think. Um, he's the one – Oscar Isaac. <laughs> he's the one who uh, – he's the one who told her that she – tattooed her you know like she did the whole thing to herself and everything um he killed the cia dude and mm. then he is trying to tell jane and everything that he's doing telling jane that oh you know just try to get out of this and try not to just try to uh get them to get rid of your detail and stuff like that you know he's he's having her do all the stuff that that is basically making her trust the fbi less and probably the fbi trusts her less because even the boss is now kind of suspicious of her. So that was cool. And I was I just thought the mole guy was really cool because I really hated him and then it turns out he he was the, <laughs> the mole hunter. And then it turns out he was the the mole himself. That's one way to try and keep from getting caught is Well, to... I guess that's the best way, right? Because <laughs> the... if you're hunting for the for the mole, then yeah. you can throw suspicion from yourself. Well when you're Part of the department that is, you know, the, the internal affairs of the FBI, and you're in charge of hunting the bad FBI agents, but you are the bad FBI agent. That's uh, that's probably the best cover you could have is to help uh, throw suspicion in other directions. And what do you think about this whole thing of she's part of some group or something that uh, because something happened – with whatever Orion or what have you, they've decided to enact this huge plan that needed her to be to be able to go undercover not knowing who she was and all these tattoos and everything. Well, I, I still can't figure that out. I mean, I still can't figure the overall thing out. Yeah, like, like what? Why, why they would need her to... Uh... Like, yeah, what the overall plan is and, and the one dude going, yeah, I know more, but... At this point, you can't know more or the overall right. plan won't work. And you're just like, hmm. that sounds so <laughs> like that sounds like a thing that came up in the writer's room. Like, how can we keep this? Uh, I I think some of that's still like sort of hand wavy and just weirdness to keep some sort of mystery going. But ultimately, I just think some of the characters are interesting and the character interactions and you get some action and. And stuff each week, right? right. And it just—it's uh, kind of a fun show, and I just sort of let this overall mystery thing kind of go because overall, it's it's super weird because you're just like, what are the odds that the girl that was kidnapped at age five or eight or whatever? Well, see, I don't—I I still now, don't know if, if that's actually her. Yeah. Well, yeah. according to the guy. That uh, is telling her little bits of information. He says that she actually is Taylor Shaw. And so if that's actually the case, but, you know, it's like one of those things that she got kidnapped and whatever happened to her. And then ultimately she ends up getting trained, was working to be like a SEAL or whatever, and then got out of that and into some even more covert, you know, group and was trained under that. Right. And then because of whatever happened then they come up with this plan that involves all these tattoos and it just happens to be that the guy that was her friend when she was a kid and was kidnapped is now working at the FBI and the exact place that 
he needs to be uh, for, you know, this this plan to this work out or something like that. And right, for right. there to be this connection, it's just like, what are the, it's sort of like, what are the odds? But that's the type of stuff that the more you try and think about that stuff, the less fun the show becomes because then it gets bogged right. down. Well, you in totally the, have to suspend us. It gets bogged down in all kinds of stuff. And then you don't enjoy the, you know, the action or the case or whatever they're trying to figure out this week uh, as much. Right. And I just figure sooner or later they'll tell you something and it'll either make sense or not. But as we've talked about before with these types of shows, the longer they go with keeping something a mystery, the more interesting the mystery needs to be and the less likely it is to be in yeah. <laughs> less likely it is to live up to that hype. And so ultimately I just kind of figure we'll get something at some point, but I'm that's not what I'm really in the show for to find out whatever the big mystery is. I just find it more entertaining on a weekly, on a weekly level. Mm-hmm. I'm still really mad that they killed Patterson's girl, our boyfriend. What? Still really mad that they killed Patterson's boyfriend. Oh, I me mean, too. yeah, I loved him. I love that. Uh, so that's blind spot. I'll get caught up someday. The grinder season one, episode 18 Genesis. How great was him? Was him trying to figure out how to grind again, but then you get the backstory of... Oh my god, Chris Klein is great in this episode. <laughs> P.S. I love Chris Klein. Of him in the... In the... Like, back in the day before he became the grinder, and he was trying... You know, he was just a, trying to be an actor, and it, things weren't working out. Writing... Uh, what did he write? Like, actor or character bibles for his one-off <laughs> yeah. construction worker? Like, was he like a... Mr. Fix-It, and he wrote a backstory with a relationship with his dad. <laughs> that he ultimately used to get onto the lot later. Oh my god, <laughs> which was great. Where are you from in Texas? Um, I just think the show was doing so much stuff, and um, I really, really, really wish more people were watching it, because it's so funny. Yeah, the whole backstory bit, and it coming around that it was like his brother that had encouraged him to, mm-hmm. you know, to keep going. And then ultimately it was his brother trying to get him to not grind and then now try to grind again. Yeah. It... I just love that they're using the action to grind. <laughs> as, as a thing, like that he was born to, he was born to grind. He was born to grind. Uh, I hope we get to see Chris Klein's character back again because it was fun. He, do you, you, did you ever watch it, Kurt? I've seen the first couple. Yeah, well, this week they flash back, obviously, to like when Chris Klein's character was reading for the grinder and they shut down the show because they had, they had tried every actor in the world, including, you know, every, including women, were going to be trying to play Nick Grinder and they couldn't find it so. Rob Lowe's character gets himself an audition, but this is like in 2005 and they make it seem like he's a 20 year old guy starting in. Like I know Rob Lowe is ageless, but he's clearly in his 50s. <laughs> um, but but like, also the whole thing about the, uh, that we can't be giving all these parts away to women. Right. <laughs> There's too many good roles for, for men or whatever women out there. <laughs> and then he goes in and he starts giving a little bit of the speech and the, they're like, the ones like call security and and Jason Alexander now with with hair <laughs> is like no wait 
know, and so we saw the origin of how uh, the grinder came to be. But I did love the Chris uh, that part where they're in like the coffee shop reading the lines. Yeah, and he just like sort of sits back like, "Oh my god." <laughs> you were so great. Or is it? Yeah. <laughs> you should you should totally go in for this part. Uh, yes. Or his girlfriend at the time just being you know Jenna Fisher to, being a total <laughs> wanted him to take wanted him to go back to the Midwest and become a, what was it a like a freezer door salesman or something strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was going to go to Iowa, wasn't he? And he ends up back there anyway. But now he's going to be a lawyer. Um, I just really like it. I think that Fred Savage is so perfect in this role. And I really, really, really love the kids so much and how they get involved in all the cases and are always, always, always on Dean's side. Yeah. Always. Um, so yeah, at the dinner table, he's, he's always going really that I'm, <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. I like his like sarcastic disbelief that his character always has about everything that's happening to his life. Um, yeah, it's just uh, just a really fun show, both in the you know in the now and then the the flashback scenes as being sort of a the spoof of like TV and and Hollywood is it's just made for a really fun show. It'll be interesting to see how. I mean, I guess there's thousands of tropes they can do, they can do an episode off of over time but it, we'll see how long it continues to last but right now I'm really loving the show. Yes, that's the grinder you all should watch. I'm really glad we're talking about this cuz I've been talking about a moment in the show that I really wanted to talk about since we watched this episode. Um Vikings season 4, episode <laughs> 5, Promised. We talked about this episode. We've been talking about Vikings a lot, actually, since I've been in Chicago with Kurt. Um, but even on, we did a radio show here on Friday, and we talked about the ridiculous, needless sex on the show um, and how the bathtub scene with Diane Don's character was so dumb. It just led to her being cut, get her hair cut. Oh, it was so annoying. Like they had sex, or he, what's the word I'm looking for? He put her in a tub. And then put his hands inside of her and then cut her hair. Yeah, and bathed her and did other things to her. <laughs> it was like spa day for the former slave, Yidu. Um, it was actually the emperor's daughter. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, the Chinese know. emperor's daughter. The Chinese emperor's daughter. Let's, let's, Not the Viking's emperor's daughter, yeah. Um, but my favorite <laughs> – it's horrible. My favorite part of the episode is when the little kid um, is angry because he can't play with the ball. Because I guess he can't walk. Well, they, I thought he could, but I guess yeah. he can't. So, they so put him all in the wagon. kids are playing with the ball around him because he's sitting in a wagon or something in the middle of the kids. And like, they're like not letting him catch the ball. So he finally catches the ball, and then somebody comes up and takes the ball. And so the ball rolls away and whatever. Um, who... Or no, they were fighting over it, weren't they? They were fighting over the ball, and then he just whips out an axe. <laughs> there was an axe in the wagon. An axe in the wagon and just chops the kid in the head. <laughs> kills him. Kills him. And I'm just like, oh my god, I wish I just had an axe to kill people that just pissed me off. And it's all I've been talking about for four days. But then they, they just walk away with the, with him, and they're like, nothing ever happened. Well, the kids look like, on the ground. They did look concerned, but like no parent came out and said, my boy, my boy. <laughs> Was but, but wasn't Loki there? 
Floki was there, but the kid who did it, who did the axing, was the Queen's, was Ragnar's kid, the Queen and right. King's kid. So nobody's probably going to say anything, but Floki and, and his wife, Maud, both looked at each other like, uh-oh. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I've been talking about this axe chop. It was just, I, it, it just, I literally jumped in my chair when it happened. I couldn't believe it happened. Um, but I loved the episode because it moved the story along a lot with um, Lagatha's Oh, yeah. There was the big surprise of the show of the story was uh, Lagertha's was engaged to Calf, who is after telling Calf that she was pregnant. Well, she told him that but Calf is the guy who last season stole the yes. earlship, her earlship in Hedeby. You know, she's the the earl is the ruler of the town or whatever. He's basically stole that from her while she was in England raiding and um, she came back and he's like oh now I'm the Earl and you're not and uh, then this and then they went off to Paris and fought and once they were in Paris he kind of went you know I've always liked her and and so this season at the beginning of the season he made her his co-Earl he made her his co-Earl and then he he tricked her biggest enemy in the town into thinking he was on his side and then had all of his followers killed and him killed. So then it looked like he was totally f- with Lagertha and totally for Lagertha, right? And then, and then that uh, Erlander goes and plots against Bjorn, and and they decide to send the Berserker after Bjorn, Lagertha's son, and and they both agreed that their goal was to destroy the family of Ragnar Lothbrok, which would include Lagertha, right? Um, so I was always suspicious that Calf was never to be trusted, but then she tells him that she's gonna that she's pregnant, and they decide to get married, and she's in her wedding dress, and he comes in in his wedding dress or his wedding outfit, his wedding dress, yeah, and they kiss, and she whips out a knife. Literally moments before she whips out the knife, Kurt's like, "I guess she trusts him." Or something like Curtin says something like, I don't know how she trusts him because you're not like you don't trust this guy. Like, how did she come around to it earlier? She's saying she's pregnant. They're going to get married. And then as he's saying, like, I don't know how he trusts her. She's pulling out this knife. And I literally was like, I don't think she does. (laughs) And she stabs him in the stomach. And then. And then she goes out in her wedding dress with blood all over her. And tells everybody and says, Earl Calf is dead. And, and everybody starts to to scream, "Long live Earl!" Whatever her uh, Igbar, Ingbar or something like that. She has a different Earl name, but um, that was like so shocking. I was very surprised by that. I did not expect that as we were watching the episode because it was the first one you had seen without that, because there wasn't like screeners yeah. ahead of time. So it was the first one we were watching live, and it was just very much like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" I guess she doesn't. I guess she trusts him. Uh, I don't think she does. And then she stabs him. Well, and all along I thought he was the one that was the one who was the trickiest. And I even interviewed Ben Robson, who plays Calf, and uh, and he said, "Yeah, well, you know, he'd never do anything to harm his own." upward mobility or whatever you know and obviously that was not true obviously he lied to me because yeah (laughs) (laughs) but he never even led on to me that well lagertha's really the trickier of the two right um so it was a really good episode and now i am kind of i mean i wasn't off board i just hadn't caught up right well i think this season has gotten much better we talked a little bit about how I thought a lot of times they went a little too far. Well, like I think the bathtub scene, maybe, I mean, it wasn't even necessarily that long, but I think sometimes they 
like last week's when they got high off the opium, I thought, eh, they don't need to do quite all the things they're doing here, you know? Right. Um, I sometimes think they could use a an, an editing, but, you know, whatever. Yes. Yeah, so Vikings were on, I'm kind of back on board. Not because I fell out for any specific reason, but I'm back on board. I can't wait to see um, what happens next week. The preview for next week and the rest of the season kind of was like, okay, that because they, they fight, they go to war. They're going back to Paris, Paris. Yeah. yeah. So they fight the brother, Rollo. Uh, who I love. I love Clive. Um, so that's that. And now, Daredevil. Daredevil. Episode 7, Semper Fidelis. Fidelis. Are we talking about a specific episode? Just up through that episode since okay. you said that's as far as you'd watched. Yeah, and I think I watched that far. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> that's, um, the, I saw- that's the trial, the main trial episode, I believe. Of the of the Punisher, um, I think I just got a little bit of the start of the Punisher, like up to the point where they decide not to use some of the some of the evidence for some reason. I can't remember. Oh, all the stuff about his family or something like that. I think I think that's as far as I got. So maybe it was six, but still, I was just going to talk overall about the 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 new season, which a lot of people are saying isn't as good as the first. And I think you know it doesn't have the. Uh, the one really solid bad guy in uh, in uh, whatever that guy's name was, the big kingpin, or the guy who played kingpin. But, Is that D'Onofrio? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, D'Onofrio, um, who I thought was just like perfect for that role. I mean he his, his, his performance was amazing. But I think instead they have uh, Elodie Young is the name of the woman playing um, – uh, what is her name? Electra. Yeah, and I think she's amazing. And it, I really she, want to point out that because I'm watching Kurt, he used like the handheld size as he was describing <laughs> Electra. Anyway, uh, I think she's great. Her her interactions with with Matt Murdock, the guy, uh, they're so you know she's like sexy, but she's also she, you know she's sort of playful and dangerous, and 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 I think she's she's really she's really good addition in this way and 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 she really knows how to push his button or, or buttons or even sort of lead him down you know a bad path but also the guy playing the punisher um who used to be in uh the walking dead john bernthal john bernthal i think is amazing as the punisher and and i think that this the trial once they get to the trial episodes and you start learning more about his background and and with uh, uh what's her name like going to his house and finding out all these secrets about him and everything uh i i i find that um i find that uh you know really fascinating to learn more about that character and and why he's doing what he's doing and everything and you know and i and i see a lot of places calling it a subpar daredevil season two but i haven't really felt that way so far i, I, I think, think the fighting way. yeah i know i think the fighting this all that stuff the fighting's great i mean i think the only thing that could be said would be that you know um which you could say this about the walking dead about anything is that you know well matt murdoch's always fighting his inner demons about whether he should be a vigilante or not and is he a vigilante but i think what this brings up a lot more is is you know how far is being a good vigilante and a bad vigilante, you know, yeah, it's, because he because he knocks people out, he doesn't kill them, but um, the other guy, you know, the Punisher kills them and everything. So, you know, I I, I think, I think that there's, there's this is just good in a different way. way. I think. Yeah, I think that 
I think this season is doing multiple things. It's giving you it's giving, you got sort of the origin story of Daredevil last season, so you can't do that again. <laughs> so in the background of this, you're getting a a Punisher origin story that plays into a bigger part of the problems in the city. Uh, but you're also setting up the bigger problem that ultimately all of these people, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist and Daredevil and everybody else are going to need to team up to solve. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's setting up that as well. And, uh, but I thought they, I thought they did a really good job with Elektra and the, the backstory of of her and Matt, right, from right, his right. college days. I thought was really good, and and how it played into, you know, where his life was at now, and I think Bernthal's fantastic as the Punisher. Right, and, and I, I like that the uh, you know the, the three people who are fighting criminals but could be considered criminals themselves and they're all doing it sort of for different reasons um you know electric included and and so it makes you think about you know what's right and wrong ultimately and that kind of stuff in a different way than season one when it's just that's what i think yeah i've seen some of that reaction to it that it that it's not as it's not as good for some reason and i don't I don't get it. I was, I was sucked right back in from the first episode, and you know I watched it all in, in the first twenty four hours. So you know I I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and, me too. And each episode sort of builds and then has, has something happen. At the end of it, where you're like, oh, I was gonna stop. <laughs> but, Oh yeah, I want to see what happens next. I mean, they're totally aware that they're built that they've built this for for binge viewing, and you can tell that you know it's hard to stop. Well, even but I think it would almost even work in that way if it was if it was weekly. It would be like, oh man, I can't wait till the next. Oh no, totally, yeah. Next that's, episode, but that's but, the idea. Of it. But now you just you you either wait for that twenty second countdown or you just right. hit the button and head right into the next episode. Exactly. The only but, knock I would have on this is that and and this is the reason when we did it when I, I do this radio thing on Friday and Amory joined me this past week. Um but the reason I wanted to talk about sex on television was not necessarily just sex, but I feel like a lot of times the action of Daredevil gets slowed down to a screeching halt by these long puppy dog dog eyes at each other like uh his secretary matt murdoch's like their office assistant and and him like those scenes i'm just like okay we get the picture so kiss and get it over with or whatever you're gonna do because let's move on to the interesting stuff because i feel like that actually slows some stuff down and she's a good character and i like i like her her compassion and everything and her wanting to learn more about the punisher and and why he's doing what he's doing so show me that and don't show me that she's got this thing for her boss or that he has this thing for her or whatever, you know, it's like, come well, on. Yeah. Well, I kind of like that in that it sort of played off of 
what his life used to be with Electra or now yeah, Electra was back. Maybe and, I'm just a <laughs> I thought it was a, it was a, a little bit interesting. I mean, they could have definitely played that out faster. Uh, but then it also tied into him being, you know, her thinking that maybe she, he's like a drunk or something else is wrong with him. But I li- overall, I liked her story and how they're developing her character this season. Oh, yeah. I think she's a I, great character. I like where... Uh, Karen. Where the, that's Karen we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Karen Page, where that yeah. where that's leading uh, to... Uh, and I like that she does stuff on her own and that she she, she is uh, empathetic enough to want to help these people and everything, you know. But but that's why I just, you know, don't tie her to this don't tie her to a romance. I always I always feel a little weird. I mean I always feel like sometimes that's just a cop out or whatever, you know. And it might be because I'm just, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that ultimately doesn't become as big a thing since I've seen the whole season as Oh, okay. Uh, as as it may look there in the beginning, and right. but overall, I think the season gives for the whole season. I think each character gets an interesting where Karen Page ends up, where Foggy ends up, you know, where Matt Murdock ends up, and the you know the choices he makes, where, you know, where the Punisher ends up, and some right. of the other things we find out by the end of the season is good. Uh, I think is 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 really good. I think they everybody gets a really good arc. I still think Foggy's a little whiny too. He bugs yeah. him. He's <laughs> whining about Matt not doing this, not telling him that. Yeah. Although this season, I mean, Matt did not show up a lot of times, so I suppose he had more of a right this season. But you know, but ultimately that plays into Foggy's growth, where he has, you know, he ends up stepping up in the in the Punisher trial and and really having to take the lead, right? which which works to his character growth for the season too. So uh even if you know it causes friction between him and Matt because of what he's uh you know his what he's moonlighting as uh at night I think they give, you know, each character like I said a good arc but you can see their perspective on things like right. it would kind of suck to to know this and always be worried that you were going to you know, show up and find your best friend, you know, uh, you know, dead or whatever. Or I think even early on, he ultimately ends up helping him back. You know, he finds him basically passed out on a rooftop, you know, why the cops are starting to search the area. And, uh, you know, so there's good reason for his reservations as to what's, uh, what's going on. But then also there's sometimes there's the, you know, just shut up. There's some bigger, bad, things happening right now and uh things are really going to go you know might go really really bad if he's not actually out doing what he's doing so right. but i think this season also had it also creates an uh, like you were talking about an interesting thing about between the cops and the vigilantes and and stuff and and now you know an even bigger vigilante that's taking it even further and like you know, how what's too far? Like, right, right. And and uh, you know, because like, because for the first part of the season, it's really it's Daredevil versus the Punisher, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know, it's it's vigilante on vigilante <laughs> trying to, because he's like Matt Murdock is like this that, yeah, I'm a vigilante, but this is too far, right? Yeah, these were bad people, but you can't just 
massacre them, <laughs> you know, at at when they're having a meeting or something. And uh, so, yeah, I think there were, it it brought into other other questions and things up that were interesting as well throughout the throughout the season with the you know bringing on the Punisher as well. So, I don't know. I I don't really get the it's not as good as the first season stuff. I thought it was. I, I thought it was great. So, yeah, me too. And we're, we're always all... right. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Kurt is always right. I've learned that this weekend. Uh, <laughs> our show, our favorite show on television, is The Passion Live. The Passion Live. We watched it. Yeah, I we didn't did. watch a second of this. Was it? Well, we watched it live. <laughs> yeah. Well, half live. Were they really? Did they really have like multiple places around New Orleans that they were? Well, no. it seemed like a lot of the action movements of 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 the Jesus and the Apostles were was pre-taped. And if it was live, I'm a turkey's I'm a turkey's <laughs> giblet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but they were. The main thing was on a stage in front of a big crowd, and then they carried the cross, and that was live. They were carrying the cross from one side of town to the other, I guess. And uh, but they had, you know, all the little. They had, it was almost like I mean, they were broadcasting at the at the quote unquote concert area <laughs> whenever Jesus and his apostles were doing a scene that had to do with or Pontius Pilate even and those folks. Um, so yeah. I don't. We didn't. We didn't think that was live unless. It, it would have been no hard. Way yeah. Yeah. Um, so parts were live. So I had questions definitely about like that choice and that decision, especially to call it like live, but only do half of it live. <laughs> um, but I said this on Twitter, like, sure, I have a bunch of questions about it. But the music, the performances were so good. They were. I questioned some of the music choices. I mean, Hoobastank and Jesus aren't exactly hand in hand, but we talked um about like as we we're watching it we kept saying like we were so glad that someone like trisha yearwood was who they chose for mary she's an established she's an older singer she's not one of these young broads that's going to come in and try and you know change a lot of these almost standard now kind of like classic adult contemporary songs um so she actually could sing really well and then the rest of the cast i thought sang really well i thought uh -huh. seal's version of mad world was incredible i thought that Jesus, who I don't, Jen Carlos, I don't know his last name. He was bawling on stage at one point. Oh my he God. He was, he was like big time bawling. Like he had like snot coming out of his nose. He was crying so hard. Jen Carlos Canella. And then he sang from the top of the hotel, which was weird. And we thought for the whole the song that he was going to zip line down, but he didn't. And then I was I really upset about it. It would have been awesome if he zip lined down. Um, but no, I just, it was weird. And the whole time I kept saying, I wish I was watching Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> so then when The Passion Live was over, we watched Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> and, and then, then spent much of the rest of the night listening to Broadway's tunes. And <laughs> Broadway uh, for hours. And doing our own karaoke show here. Um, but I thought it was not on par with their Grease Live, which was incredible. Um, as far as direction and being an actual live show goes, right. the Tyler Perry parts bored me to tears. Right. Like, um, I think this will be a fine cast album to buy. Yes. But we wouldn't have necessarily needed to watch the show itself. Yeah. The, uh, 
on the subject of uh, picking the people that they picked, I also, uh, you know, the the idea, I, and I said this that it was cool that it was Trisha Wood Yearwood because if it would have been say uh, Christina Aguilera, she'd have been doing all these crazy runs with the songs, and you know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it just would have been so much more weird than it already was a little weird. Weird uh, the word to use. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. So that's the passion. Live. So ultimately it worked as a musical. The, it worked as musical. a concert, I would it, say. As yeah, a concert. Correct. So like if you told sort of like if you just did a concert where you had people coming through and you told this you told the, the passion story or you know in, you introduce in song, each song, yeah, in some sort in of way. song in a in yeah. that in that sort of order that tells that story. Yeah, what do they call those reviews? Like a Broadway review yeah. when they yeah. do songs from a show, but they're not actually acting the stuff out. Um, but you know, the interesting part of this, of course, or supposedly interesting part of this, was that they used the contemporary music to tell the story. You know, and and well, like. Well, the last song Jesus sang when he was resurrected on top of the Weston was a Katy Perry song. Yeah. Yeah, which was kind of bizarre too. You know, so the, so the song choices sometimes you just went, what? <laughs> yes, so it was... So it sounds like it was sort of interesting. Yeah. I mean, it was worth watching too. Well, I'm Here's... glad that someone was here watching it with me. <laughs> yeah, I would, not have, I would not have made it through. Like a lot of people I'd see like, say oh i shut it off like kyle was like i shut it off five minutes in like i don't know that i if i was by myself i would have shut it off and watched jesus christ superstar versus watching all of the passion live and then watching jesus christ superstar afterwards like we did so incidentally i was able to be super religious yesterday for the first time in decades (laughs) um so that's prime time and i only watched one thing in a reality, because I traveled on Thursday, so I didn't watch Top Chef yet. I traveled on Friday. Oh, I was here Friday, so we didn't watch The Amazing Race. But I did watch Survivor, and it's just turning out to be a really, really, really good season. Some of the people are really annoying, but in that way that you kind of hope they stay around uh, to bug other people because they're funny. And then you have those delusional people, like the person who was kicked off this week. Like she, the, the blind sides keep coming and I really enjoy them. Um, and I just love that they're playing the game and they're not just, I don't know, they're learning from kind of some of the more recent seasons where they really haven't like tried to play versus to be there to just kind of hope that they'll make it or hope that they'll float by. But I think everybody's really kind of putting in an effort. So that's making the season better. Uh, I don't know if I have a favorite. Debbie is the most annoying person on the planet, but I hope she wins. Um, so that's Survivor, and I'll watch it when I get home. And That'll be that. And that'll be Oh, speaking that. of reality TV, though, Amory, what do we have to watch tonight? We're going to watch Dancing with the Stars. Kurt and I are admitting that we're watching Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> And it's because I want to see what kind of a hot mess Nisha Barton is. And also because Niall DeMarco is the hottest thing on earth. <laughs> exactly. And I'm also very intrigued how he's going to dance. I don't even care how he dances. Um, as long as he dances with his shirt off, I guess. Right. He's, he's deaf, much like Marley Matlin, who had done it before. So is Niall. So I'm not sure how he's going to do it. But we read a piece in the Entertainment Weekly that was like, oh, yeah, Peta started talking to me. Peta's his partner. And, like, she started talking to him, and she didn't understand that, like, he couldn't understand her. Like, they didn't tell her before she met her partner that her partner was deaf. Yeah. Until, like, five minutes <laughs> into the conversation. 
So I'm interested to see how it goes, but we're definitely <laughs> watching that tonight with our wine and ice cream and <laughs> probably leftover nacho stuff. Um, so that's reality. TV recommendations. Um, I have two actually. Mine's gonna I'm gonna back bookend on mine. But Jason, you have one here. Yeah, mine is uh, Humans season one. The UK uncut edition comes out on Blu-ray and DVD on Tuesday, March 29th. I thought the first season of the show was was really good, and you know it's about human-looking you know androids. Uh, but the, uh, there's a, a subset of them that actually have a consciousness, uh, and it's them trying to, you know, not be found out, and and you get the sort of the backstory of of how they were created and why they might be special and and stuff. But the whole the whole storyline I thought was very interesting of how you know of this robot story and how they told it was was very interesting, but. I'm also very interested to see, like, I know watching it that it wasn't necessarily the full, uh, the full thing. So I'm wondering what exactly is different from the full UK version as opposed to the cut we got on. Uh, I forget. Did it play on BBC America here or? No, it was on US. Was it on USA? AMC. Oh, AMC. Oh. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's on oh, AMC. Don't That's right. It was on AMC, which is. I think they don't have as many commercials in. Britain is most of it or the way that they're doing things these days is it you couldn't imagine like how much like what they would be cutting out uh, exactly but I I am sort of interested to find out how different uh, the episodes are but also if you've never watched the show it's well worth uh, checking out so that's Jason's recommendation my recommendation <laughs> uh, my first well, my first real recommendation <laughs> Is that you should really be watching The Real O'Neills. I love it. And I think you need to watch it. And um, I talked to Matt Shively, the older brother, and he's awesome. And I just, it helps me to realize that they seem to love their show as much as I love their show. So I want more people to watch it and love it. I think it did okay, but I'd like it to do better. And I would like to see more of it. So keep watching. Now, my actual recommendation is to avoid the catch like the plague. And I keep <laughs> saying... I keep saying to Kurt, and I think I've said this 45 times this week, don't let it, don't catch the catch, like, like herpes. Like, don't let the herpes that is the catch catch you. What didn't you like about the catch? Everything. Really? I like nothing about it except there was a cool car in it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually kind of liked it. I thought it was fun. No. In no. watching these, these uh, con artists go back and forth at each other. the whole time. But see, the problem is I think it takes too long to get into the con aspect part of it. Like, I just, it's, I don't know, it just took too long to get to certain places. And I just was not on board. The way she walked annoyed me. The way she smiled all the time annoyed me. I realized that Mariah Anos is probably really happy that she's not wearing chunky sweaters. And yeah. she's wearing makeup and her hair's and straightened and beautiful. And uh, she's swinging those hips like there's no tomorrow. But it looks like her hips are going to be dislocated. Like, the way she walks. So I just... I didn't like it, and I know that there's a lot of people who like worship at the cult of Shonda and Shondaland, um, but don't just blindly go in and, and love it because it's Shonda because it's not a good show. I, I, I equally hated it. 
I mean, it, there's nothing about it that makes any sense, and I'm totally willing to suspend disbelief. I mean, I You're like Blind, Blind Spot. Spot. <laughs> I like Blind Spot, but but within the reality of what they're doing, it has to make some sense. And if she's so smart, but she's really dumb about this guy, and then I mean, it, and it was just there's there were too many things that were just. Oh, look at how she just happens to turn her entire body right when he walks past her when they're almost re- they almost caught him. And, um, you know, it's just things like that. It's like, well, you can tell this was written and not, you know, it, it just, ugh, ugh. there wasn't anything I liked about it. It was really bad. Yes. That's, uh, so that's-, that's two against and one sort of four. I didn't, yes. I didn't hate it. I thought it. I thought ultimately it was fun, but I like these. I like sort of shows that have these, you know, heists and and cons and and stuff like that. Uh, and I thought they set it up kind of interesting in that this other group and this guy, you know, actually ended up falling for her, and but yet still went through with right. <laughs> yes. Although might not have if she would have agreed to, you know, run off with him or whatever. But right, he might have just I ran off. There with- was no show. He might have just ran off. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, but then the show would have definitely there wouldn't have been a show. I'm not sure how far right. exactly you can go with this, but I I thought it was kind of fun, and I was interested to see like a short run of them sort of going back and forth at each other. But ultimately, I don't know where you go on a you know like more than really like one season because after a while you're just like really I know they're both really good, but they're just never you know they're they're always either one step ahead but not quite right. enough to catch them and one step behind well i thought there was a telling thing when the the guy who uh was on his his con team said something about you know like he was chastising him for falling in love with me ray Enos's character and he said well come on you know that peter Krause's character says come on you know that so-and-so would kill me if I did that or something like that, or no, the the partner said their boss would kill him if he fell for her, and, she, and, and he was he like, said, "No, she would tell, she would have you, do she it. would have yeah. you kill me." Yeah, <laughs> which leads me to believe that at some point, yes, he's going to try to somehow get yeah. with her and and still avoid the other people and you know all that kind of stuff, but. Ugh. It seemed also a bit confusing to me at times. I was not quite sure at some points what was going on. You know, I and it, it just it just didn't work. So do you have a recommendation, Kurt? Yeah, don't watch that. And then also, my big recommendation to watch is Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Holiday. On Netflix, which started last Friday, the same day as Daredevil. And I watched that. And I think I may have tinkled my shorts a little bit. I definitely pulled a muscle on my side. <laughs> you may, I mean, have, you may so have wee peed just a little bit. Yeah, I may have wee peed. Um, I was laughing so hard. There's a there's so many good little sight and sound gags, if you will. <laughs> it's just so funny. The whole story is that Pee Wee meets Joe Manger. 
And he can't get his name right, which and he can't get his name right. Name. Um, but they become best friends because they discover that they like all the same things. And um, then there's these little things. He so Joe invites him to his birthday party in New York, and Pee Wee has to cross the country to get there. So it's his big adventure to get there, a holiday to get there, and um, all this stuff happens. But he has these little dream sequences where he's dreaming of him and Joe at the birthday party, and they're so hilarious. Those are really funny. There's They're all in slow motion, and like, <laughs> then all the speaking is in slow motion, and then Joe's in the Pee Wee suit at one point. Like, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And there's like all these sound gags. And my favorite thing is the one where, um, well, Pee Wee is scared often, or, or, or like needs to get out of a situation often and freaks out, and it's amazing. And Kurt and I spent a good part of our time here today or this weekend um preparing ringtones <laughs> with the reactions from peewee and the characters and they're amazing and i really need everybody to watch it because I, <laughs> I i was so not prepared to like it not not to, not prepared to like it but i don't remember peewee that well like i watch peewee's playoffs right. i don't remember the big adventure like it's been so long but we put it on and there were moments where i was laughing so hard i was silent like i couldn't get sound out i was laughing so hard and then like, my sides were hurting i was crying kurt and i both were like at points being just like oh my god like, i can't breathe it was so funny like we had to catch our breath from reacting i after the movie ended, we played the scream, one of his, like his first scream, probably 10 times. And never once did we not laugh as hard <laughs> as the first time. It's so. And then he does this thing with a balloon, this extended thing with a balloon. A like, minute and a half where he plays noise as a balloon. Out of the I balloon, mean, as that he's uh, blown up for at least. A minute. A maybe minute. 30 seconds. Yeah, maybe 30 seconds, seconds, but for a movie to stay on that one shot, you know, for the, I mean, and that's what was kind of, that made some of those things funny, but, um, so then he like lets the air out of the balloon, but play, basically plays the balloon like a musical instrument, which I used to do when I was a kid. I mean, I think everybody's probably done that, but, um, he was doing it with the Amish and the Amish were like, they thought it was the second coming <laughs> or something. Um, it was, just, oh my God, it was just so funny, stupid, funny stuff. Even some of the lines were great, uh, you know, some of the the one-liners and things like that. But here, here's the thing. Can you hear that? That's Pee Wee playing the balloon. <laughs> I don't think it's close enough. I don't think it's playing, or you don't have your speaker on or something. <laughs> There's the balloon. <laughs> Definitely heard that. It's so good. It's amazing. Kurt, uh, I'm gonna, um, no, this is important because I have to. The best part is this. So here's one of the screams. <laughs> that was Pee Wee screaming. That, that's how much we loved it. We made ringtones and voice memos yeah. of the sounds. I changed my Facebook <laughs> page for Pee Wee with the. I put Pee Wee with the balloon. Oh, it's just so good. So, just... so now you just need people to call and text you just so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we so... wanted to, when we were out to lunch with a friend yesterday, we wanted to, we forgot to have me call Kurt's phone and just have this random scream coming. <laughs> uh, so. We... We need to have an opportunity to do that, but it's just, it's so good. I need everybody to watch it. Yeah. Um, uh. So that's our recommendations. <laughs> While we were podcasting today, we got an email from a reader who wants to guest star 
Hotel. Nice. There you have it. April is. Are we live? Did they hear us? Also, I forgot to put into the into the outline uh, that we got uh, a review on iTunes. Oh no! uh, Back in (laughs) uh, back in February, and uh, basically it was a four four out of five stars. And I don't know, you know, some made up name or whatever was on it. Uh, I forget. It was. Had something to do with pod yay or something pod e or I have no idea. It was there was a lot of whys in it. I remember. Oh my god! Uh, but uh, thank you for the four star review. But uh, the basic gist of the of the written review was that uh, it's a good show with a mixture of 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 people coming on, and that his favorite guest host is Kyle. Kyle's basically a host, you guys. And, and that and that and that Ray doesn't watch enough TV. And that Ivy talks too much. <laughs> so basically, all things we know. <laughs> and I just we appreciate yeah. your review. Uh, but I, I just wanted to say thank you for the review. But also, I still like having Ray on as the person who doesn't watch a lot of TV to find out what is percolating up. Yeah. For you know a more average TV viewer, like what is coming through the. Uh, uh, you know, finding out what what types of things are are making it out there, and uh, and so it's always interesting to say, hey, Ray, have you heard about such and such? And she's like, "What is that?" She's always like, like, "Nope, well, I have apparently not that's heard not, about that." Apparently, that's not uh, making it out to the uh, you know sort of the <laughs> the the non just like always following TV stuff audience. Uh, so I find I, I like uh, talking to her about that stuff. I think that's interesting, and then I think uh, Ivy has some uh, good opinions on stuff and uh, I like having him on to talk because a lot of the a lot of shows these days are built off of novels and he's read a lot of them and so I like getting the perspective of somebody who's read the books to talk about how the shows differ or you know how uh, how the shows are that they're you know it's becoming a huge thing especially in the sci-fi genre that uh Practically everything seems to be built on somebody's novel. Right. I mean, we just had like six, five or six of them in like the last two or three months, you know, with the, with the, the Expanse and the Shannara Chronicles and the Magicians and all these things. So, and, and Shadowhunters and oh, it seems like you just keep going on and on about these things. But, uh, but again, thank you for the review. And if you would like to leave us a review on iTunes, you can always go to tvtimes3.com slash iTunes and it'll take you to our page. Uh, in iTunes, or it should also on an iPhone or an iPad take you to the podcast app. Nice to be able to uh, leave a review and to always so appreciate. So we appreciate it. you. I even appreciate the ones who say they don't listen to my episodes <laughs> because maybe the shows I like aren't the shows you like, and we can all agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> you can find links to our recommendations as well as where you can find Kurt online. In the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 315. You can also find where you can find Amory and I on. Yes, <laughs> online, we're but... also there. Everybody's there. Everybody wants to be cool. Um, next week, Jason will be joined by Robert Prentice from 3fbyspace.net and Scott Candiotti from the Serious TV Drama Podcast. And that, folks, is all she wrote. Now, we're going to go eat ice cream and 
Prepare for Dancing with the Stars. Prepare for Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> oh, I just saw with some ice cream. <laughs> Scott Porter's going to be on Scorpion tonight. Yeah, he's a recurring guy. Ooh. Anywho, Husker action. Yeah, he was just action. on. I'll uh, take that Husker action. What was he just on? He was just on something. Um, Scorpion. No, he was just on something. Uh, one. God, I just watched. What was he week. on? Um, he was on something. He played like a. Oh, that was. Uh, Rosewood. Was it Heart of Dixie? He no. was in that for four years. He was on. He was on Rosewood. He played a dirty cop. Oh, I don't watch Rosewood. On uh, on Rosewood. That's where I just saw him. And uh, so yeah. So so Scott Porter. Uh, there you have it. And That's thanks. Yeah. Now we're gonna go hang out. 